we might as well just start talking now. Okay, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, I'm not going to, well, once again, I'm not going to do the, the, the formal introduction. Right. Mainly because you can introduce yourself a lot right. better than I can introduce yourself. Sure. Um, so I was telling, I was talking to people this week and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sitting down with Nicole. She's a dietitian uh, in the States. And then I'm like, I don't really know what else to say mm -hmm. other than that. So like when you introduce yourself, what okay. do you usually say? I'm a dietitian. I'm board certified by master's in exercise science and sports nutrition. I've worked with NFL athletes, baseball players, patients in the ICU. And now I am a wellness coordinator for a hospital conglomerate or conglomerate. I'm not really sure what they call it. Hospital, a hospital conglomerate. I don't know. Hospital. <laughs> System. Oh, that's what I say. A hospital system. Words are hard, man. I just don't know how to be professional. I have to be like a corporate lady now. And it is. No. Why do you got to be a corporate lady? Well, I'm like fun. a loud corporate lady. I did make a presentation about fiber and I did um, compare fiber and adding water to a slip and slide that has no water to a slip and slide that does have water. And my director was like, yeah, but that's great. I bet you everybody understood what oh, you were they talking loved about. It. They're like, you're a hoot. And I was like, that's all I needed. Okay. Let's get going. Okay. So, um, intuitive eating, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to you about it because, um, just for our listeners, anyone watching. So there was this app called clubhouse. I think it still exists. I haven't been on it for I a very long time, but, uh, in a nutshell, it was almost like live style podcasts. So there would be a topic. People are talking about it. You can like log in and listen to it live. It was a cool concept. And, uh, I met Nicole on there. Who's a dietitian out of, out of Florida. She's done a lot of other cool things. She might touch upon, she might not, who knows, she'll see how she's feeling. Um, but, uh, one of the things she was constantly talking about was this whole idea of intuitive eating. And this isn't, you know, just native to Nicole. I've heard a lot of dietitians talk about this. In fact, it's like the one, I don't even want to call it a diet because it's not that, but it's the one style of eating where I hear, you know, the majority of dietitians talk about it. And I'm like, I don't really know what it is. I can make assumptions about what intuitive eating is just based off of the word intuitive, but I thought I would, uh, I'd bring along my friend, Nicole to kind of hash out some ideas and maybe give us a better idea of what this concept means. So, uh, Nicole, thank you for taking time out of your busy Florida day to join us today. No, I'm actually super excited. I was thrilled when you texted me because I wanted to come on this podcast for a while. And Just I was like, ask. why hasn't he asked me yet? That's so rude. Um, but I understand we are far away. You're in yeah. Canada and yeah. I'm in Florida. Um, no, but I'm really excited to talk about intuitive eating. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to start off super simple. What is it? <laughs> so it is basically an anti-diet approach. It was written by two dietitians that have worked in the field for like over 40 years. And basically what they were saying is so much fear mongering amongst food, where it was like, you eat this one thing you're done for. <laughs> and that caused a lot of anxiety yeah. in, with people and people are now scared of food and they're trying all these diets. And after so much research, they saw that dieting could actually cause a lot of health risks with like weight cycling and possibly eating disorders, et cetera. So they were basically went on a path to figure out another approach to eating. And that's how they found, not found, but that's how they started intuitive eating. So they have a book and they have a workbook as well. Mm. So like, what does it kind of entail then? I'm assuming it's just you're not necessarily subscribing to one way of eating. You're doing it more based off of things that you enjoy or. 
So yes, one thing that I see on like TikTok is like, okay, just listen to your intuition. It's going to tell you what to eat. And I wish it was that simple. The first time I learned about intuitive eating, I didn't believe in it. I was like, this is a hoax. I've been burned too many times of people telling me how to eat, what to eat, how to think, how, what to eat. They don't know. And so I really, it took me three years to really understand it, grasp it and believe in it. So intuitive eating is a way of eating and its approach, but there's actually 10 pillars. So it's not just listening to your hunger cues. Mm. Yes, that is a part, but I have them all right next to me. So I don't forget them. So I'm going to, I was just going to say, I'm not going to put you on the spot and be like, what are no. the 10, but it's good. That I have, have the workbook next to me. So I wouldn't forget. And it's by <laughs> the people who wrote it. Cause some people write, call them different pillars. Sure. So the actual 10 pillars are one reject diet mentality two, honor your hunger, three, make peace with food Four, challenge the food police five, feel your fullness, six, discover the satisfaction factor, seven, cope with your feelings without using food, eight, respect your body, nine, exercise, feel the difference, and 10, honor your health, gentle nutrition. Mm. So what you can imagine is the TikTok version is just listening to your body and eating what you want. And that can actually lead to a lot of overeating and can lead to a lot of undereating, right? That can perpetuate an eating disorder. If you think of it in a very simple way, intuitive eating should be done with a dietitian. And yes, there is like certifications for like intuitive eating. I am not certified in it. I did teach a class on eating disorders and I was a TA with it, um, during grad school and it included teaching intuitive eating. I think right now, like we go through cycles, but the cycle on TikTok and social media in general is very much like a hate against diet culture. So we almost go the exact opposite way, which is just like, yo, love your body, eat whatever you want, which is cool. That's great. But like you mentioned, that can lead to overeating or undereating. So I guess when we think of, if you're working with any client clients who are, you know, you're trying to introduce them to this concept of intuitive eating. I know you mentioned the 10 steps. Would Mm -hmm. you take them through those 10 steps immediately? Or like, how do you kind of guide them to this principle? Like if, if I, Isaac, am one of your clients and I wanted to start intuitive eating, like what are, what are my steps? Where, what's kind of, I guess, step one for me. So what I would do is see where you are and see where, which one you want to work on first. So it's just going to be step-by-step. You could definitely work one to 10, but you don't necessarily have to do that as well. If there is a point in them where you're uncomfortable. So let's say a really hard one for people is feeling your fullness and feeling your hunger cues, because after dieting for so long, or even just after following so many diet rules or food rules, you could call them. You may not really know if you're hungry or not hungry. And that takes practice, right? Maybe I will start. If I notice that you are really scared of one specific food, or you feel uneasy around food, like you're going to overconsume it. I would actually say, okay, give yourself permission to overconsume the food. Mm. Sometimes intuitive eating starts with overconsuming food because you put it off for so long. And that's how people restrict binge, restrict binge. So it's trying to stop the restrict binge cycle. And when you are eating a food, let's call it chocolate chip cookies, then we will ask you, like, okay, when you're eating the chocolate chip cookies, have as many as you want. You're allowed to eat 10 if you want it. You're allowed to eat two if you want. You're allowed to eat one if you want. When you're eating it, actually think about eating it. Does it taste good? Do you feel full after having it? Do you feel guilty? Like what emotions come up? And it's like a process to get to the point of the goal. Oh, I feel like having a chocolate chip cookie. Sometimes you'll eat the whole cookie. Sometimes you eat half a cookie and be like, eh, 
didn't really want it. Wasn't even that great of a chocolate chip cookie. I don't need it. Whereas before it would be like, oh, here's my chance to have a chocolate chip cookie. I haven't uh, had this chance in a long time. Yeah. So now I'm going to eat four of them because I, I've been good. We're taking the morality away from food. Is The cookie isn't going to cause anything. Just like one salad isn't going to cause anything. For sure. Ha- enjoy the food and then take the morality away. And that eventually the thought is you won't need it as much or crave it or feel guilty around it. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is there like a journal mentality with it as well? So like there if- could be, I'm sure a lot of dietitians, uh, will ask for journaling. And again, that goes in with, does the client want to journal? Yeah. Some people are more verbal. Some people will write, some people won't, and you don't necessarily need to write it out. Is it more helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost, it's kind of the idea of building habits then. Basically. That's how I kind of look at it. Yeah. And the one thing that I think people forget about with intuitive eating is the last one. And that's my favorite and it's the gentle nutrition. So that is taking all of this science of nutrition, like having more lean proteins, eating unsaturated fats, having more fruits and vegetables, drinking more water, like all of those well-known research about foods, like what is actually healthy, putting that into your day. So what TikTok has been saying is eat whatever you want. And one side is like, well, if I eat whatever I want, then I'm going to eat all these bad foods, Yeah. which is actually, if you eat whatever you want, you're going to listen to your intu- intuition at the end finish line and be like, oh, I actually want vegetables and lean proteins. I want to fuel my body properly, but I still will have fun foods without feeling guilty and having those fun foods. Okay. So if I've, I've never, I've never, I don't really understand healthy eating. I've always just ordered takeout. How am I to know that like, oh, my body kind of wants a bell pepper right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there, do we still, is there like a food list that, that you would give them? Is there any sort of guidance in that sense? No, I think I would talk with them about like, have you had vegetables before? Have you had fruits before? What did you like? What didn't you like? How were they cooked? And then incorporating them in the day. Okay. So you like spaghetti. Love that. (laughs) Have you ever added vegetables to a spaghetti. I hate adding, like if somebody's like, Oh, I don't like mixing my pasta with veggies. Cool. Could you have them on the side? Is that something you could do? Is that something you could try and see how you feel? Yeah. And it's more, it is working with somebody. I think with intuitive eating, you kind of need to work with somebody. There is a workbook that they have called the intuitive eating workbook. And I'm sure a lot of people without working with somebody will read it. And there's exercises, there's educations, and they could do it that way as well. But working with a dietitian will be, I think, a little bit more effective because you can talk it out. Definitely. Okay. So pillar one was what, to, what again? Sorry. Reject the diet mentality. Okay. So reject the diet mentality. So it's not like you just, we need to stop the whole vicious cycle of dieting, non-dieting, dieting, non-dieting. I think that's amazing. What was pillar two again? Honor your hunger. So honor your hunger. That's kind of just understanding when you're truly hungry. And also eating when you're hungry. People don't trust themselves sometimes. Not pe- I, I say people widely. Some people don't trust their hunger cues. They yeah. might feel like they're sa- self-sabotaging or they can't have breakfast even though they're hungry. So if that's when it's starting to practice, okay, you can eat when you're hungry and that's okay. That's actually healthy. It's your body's hunger cue. Be like, hey, I need some food down here. Yeah. Do you, um, do you give them like tips and tricks how to find out when they are truly hungry, like putting your fork down in between bites or um, making sure they're having a certain amount of water so they're not confusing hunger cues for dehydration? Like, is there little bits like that? 
I think all of it. Yes. And then I usually give them a list that says like one to 10 hunger fullness scale. And it'll come with like symptoms, like one being starving, like you feel dizzy two, three, four, all the way to 10, where I tell people, if you're around a four or five, it's time to eat, try to stop around a seven, see how you feel. And then when you go back to that four or five, it might be time for a snack, a meal. Again, that's when you're starting to practice. Okay. I think I'm here. You might get it wrong sometimes and that's okay. Yeah. And that's continually practicing. Maybe you'll go to a 10 where you need to unbutton your pants, like a Thanksgiving meal style. And then then when that happens, that's time for a lesson. Okay. How did you feel when you had that? What kind of emotions did you have? Do you want to feel that way again? And then was there signs that you were going there? And then that's like a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what I think intuitive eating is, is like therapy for your mindset. Intuitive eating is that for eating. Yeah. You have, it's like a practice, you work on it and it's hard work. I think. But once you work on it, it actually, you become so less stressful around for sure. food. For sure. I'd imagine, you know, it's probably difficult for people to grasp the concept as well, because people are so used to a diet culture where results are immediate. Whereas this is more of a lifestyle change, right? Like this is about being able to eat the foods that you love for the rest of your life. Not like, Hey, I'm going to do this for two weeks, look real cute for Punta Cana and then go back to binge eating whatever I want, right? Like this is truly changing their life and how they're eating. And some people might not be ready for it, but a question as a dietitian I would ask is, how many diets have you been on? Which one worked? How did you feel? Did they work? Did you regain the weight? How long did it take you to regain the weight? And it's almost like showing them the discrepancies that they want this body weight or they want something, yet every time they've tried it, it hasn't worked in their favor or it worked very temporary. And it's almost like, are you at the point where you're fed up with diets? And if you are, this might be something to practice. Yeah. Would this be the only, I guess, diet that you would prescribe to people? Let me think how to answer this a little better. <laughs> Cause that's a hard question for me. Yeah, that's okay. I don't think everybody is ready for intuitive eating because of the stigma of all diets, including this one, right? So I like it when I started learning intuitive eating, what really helped me was learning the science, right? I have my, uh, my degree in nutrition. I have my master's in nutrition, I'm board certified in nutrition, and I've been studying nutrition for 10 years. It had, it took me so long to trust intuitive eating because I need to know the science behind it. Yeah. And I do like knowing the science behind food. So knowing that was helpful for me to trust my body and trust the science. Science shows that white, uh, weight cycling is bad for you. And that dieting is the number one perpetuator of weight cycling, where you go up and down, up and down that can cause disruptions in your hormones that can cause disruption in your digestion, et cetera, and all the other health concerns. So knowing that kind of a light bulb went off and I was like, Oh, I have been dieting a lot for a lot part of my life and my weight has gone up and down and nothing really good has come out of dieting. Yeah. Um, so it did take me a while to kind of believe it. So I won't necessarily give it to everyone. I will just ask them what has worked for them. And if they want to continue doing what's worked for them, I'm not going to push anything on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just what they're ready for. Mm-hmm. 
but you do, do you follow intuitive eating you personally? I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm working out, I also know that after a workout, I need to get 20 to 40 grams of protein if I want to build muscle. Yeah. So then I will add those pieces of science in, but it's not going to make me feel guilty if I don't have 20 to 40 grams of protein afterwards. Right. Yeah. So there are some things that I know from my sports science side that I'm okay with and I'm cool with. Um, but again, I now when I eat ice cream or cookies, I don't have that same regret or concern that I've done something bad that I did in college. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of are right now too, right? Like I, I, I do think society is shifting from this whole idea of having a cheat meal. Like that's kind of, I, I think anyways, maybe it's just like our gym. We just never talk about that. Um, but I love that. yeah, but like, you know, people shouldn't feel guilty for eating the foods that are going to bring them joy for that day. As long as like, if you're having a pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream for every single meal, then let's have a chat. But you know, if it's every Agreed. once in a while, it's not a big deal. Um, what was that for? So let's just go through those pillars yeah. one, one by one. So I think we did one, two, what was three? Make peace with food. So that's taking that morality out of food. Food is not good, nor is it bad. It is just food. What helps me with that is when you eat food, it only breaks down to a carb, fat, or protein. Yeah. Unless it's alcohol. So having that simplified, yes, a broccoli is also carbs, just like candy is. Is it completely different? ish kind of, there's no nutrients, but it's still going to break down to a glucose molecule at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, is broccoli better? Sure. Yes. It has way more nutrients and fiber and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but your body isn't like, Ooh, gummy bears. Your body yeah. is like, okay, this is simple sugar. This goes here. Um, so yeah, taking that food police away, nothing's good or bad, but you want to make sure you're fueling your body properly so that you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool concept too, to think of just like a calorie is energy. Like that is the mm -hmm. definition at the end of the day, right? Like if you look at, I think it's, I know our nutritional labels don't say energy. I feel like in the States or I know definitely in places in Europe, it won't say uh, like calories. It'll say energy. I'm like, oh, see that just that little, that little change makes a big difference. No, we say calories. We, oh, we, say <laughs> we make people feel bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 High fat. That's good. 100% love marketing. <laughs> Cool. What's uh, number four? So four was challenge. Oh, make peace with food. Four is challenge the food police. So if someone is like, you can't eat that, um, you can either confront them like, I can't eat that, or just in your brain being like, this is again, not good nor bad. So just yeah, yeah. challenging all of those diet rules your head is even telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I thought I had something to say to that one. I don't. <laughs> I know it's one, it's very similar to yeah. three, which is why I thought it was. Yeah. yeah five feel your fullness mm. so this one is another hard one i always get the question when do i know if i'm full yeah. and for some people your body might actually be really really hungry if you've been dieting for a very long time if you've mm -hmm. been eating 1200 calories i've just had a talk with somebody on instagram that they were having 1200 calories or even less some days and i was like wow, this is, this really is still going on for people my age, which I am still shocked by. Um, so that might make it harder to feel your fullness and it might be a, take a little bit more time and practice to get to that the area where you not only feel your fullness, but you trust your fullness. Yeah. Do you know who, uh, John Berardi is? He's the founder of precision nutrition. 
Okay. The name sounds familiar and I know precision nutrition. Yeah. So I know that's one of their really big things with precision nutrition is they've seen a direct correlation between when people can really tell when they're full, that's like when they start to see real results because it's, it's difficult to know that. Right. And there's so many factors that come into play. Are you dehydrated? Um, you know, have you been dieting on and off for years and years and years? Like those are all going to have effects on your body. And I think going back to your cheat meal idea, when you're having a cheat meal, you forfeit your fullness factor, right? Yeah. In your brain, you're thinking, okay, it's the day, it's the meal. This is my time to eat <laughs> yeah. everything I want. I'm going to eat like the rock and you're going to have thousands of calories and you don't even want the thousands of calories. You just think, okay, this is my day. This is my chance. Yeah. When, if you actually just spread out those calories, you probably would have less calories throughout the week than what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Five. Six. Six. <laughs> Discover your satisfaction factor. Same kind of concept. Gotcha. Now, not only are you feeling full, you're satisfied. So think about when you tell yourself, I'm not going to have ice cream. And now it's after dinner and you want ice cream. Your body's like, it's time. We need ice cream. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to have a protein mug instead. It's going to help my sweetness and dessert. Eat it. You eat it. It's delightful, but you still want the ice cream. So you're not satisfied yet. Now you're going to go for like pretzels. Great. Still not satisfied. Still going to keep going. So that's when you keep going back for something. And that actually what makes you overeat when, if you just had what you wanted, it would be better off, right? And yeah. if you just had what you wanted and, and you felt your satisfaction level and you felt your fullness, you might not eat the entire pint of ice cream, which you think you would, you might just have a scoop and be like, great. I'm not hungry. I just wanted something sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We talk a lot about that with our clients as well. Like if you have a craving for a Mars bar, go and have a Mars bar, because what you're going to try to do is curb that craving by having something else. And then you're going to have the Mars bar as well. So it's like, you might as well just go and do it. And that's when it's like the lesson, like, well, did you have the Mars bar? Could you have just had the Mars bar? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I, I guess I could have. Yeah. And sometimes it is like saying it to the person, then being like, huh, what a concept. Yeah. I could do that. <laughs> this whole dieting thing. It's so silly. <laughs> seven. Okay. Seven? The next one's scary. Seven or six? Seven. Okay. I'm just going to let you control the numbers. Yeah. It's okay. I can count. Yeah. yeah um, nice. Cope with your feelings without using food. Again, doesn't mean you can't use food when you're coping with your feelings. And that's, it, it gives you permission. You are allowed to cope with your feelings with food. You're, you have, it's your body, you're right. You get to eat that Mars bar if you want it, if you're feeling sad. But do you really want the Mars bar or do you need something else? Are you needing more attention? Are you needing to talk to somebody? Are you needing to relax your anxiety? Like maybe you do need to go for a walk. Maybe you're just anxious and anxious has been tied to eating for so long. And it's kind of, relearning why you're reaching for food. Not that you can't because sometimes food is comforting, but maybe not every time, maybe there's something else that you're missing and you don't know that you need. So that is more psychological and that is more of a nuanced approach that people sometimes have a difficulty with. Mm. It's almost like as dietitians, you're psychologists. There's a lot of that with yeah. it where I am, I was shocked about, and I didn't really learn it until grad school when we had like a whole entire class about counseling. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. The eighth one is going to be respect your body. So again, this is where that self-love comes in, or some people call body positivity, body neutrality, body acceptance, whichever camp you fall in. It just is, this is your body. This is the one you have respect it, use it well, period. Yeah. Cool. I like it. And I think with this one, especially for women, I'm sure men do it too, is compliment people based on their appearance or if they look smaller, there's a big compliment and probably the same thing. You look bigger, stronger for men, like muscular. And it's a practice I tell my clients is let's move away from body compliments to something else. Maybe they just have a sick shirt on. I compliment people all the time about their shirt, eyeshadow, shoes, pants, um, that their joke was funny. And like, you can also like compliment people that they're nice people or like compliment people that they're a good friend. You don't have to compliment people all the time based on like what their body size looks like. And it actually will, for me, changing that aspect of my life has made me happier because I think I compare myself way less to people um, that when I'm complimenting them based on what they're wearing or who they are as a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think that's, what's kind of cool about, you know, having the gym or working with clients remotely as well is we don't just work with clients on nutrition. It's mainly a, a fitness base, right? So we're not saying, Hey, you look great. It's more of like, Hey, that like your rowing technique is fantastic. So kind of yes. similar sort of concept. I wish somebody could say that about me. My rowing technique is trash <laughs> and I can, it's all arms and I know it's supposed to be legs, but it's oh, all arms. You're fine. You're fine. I'd, so we have a, we have a varsity rower, um, as a coach at our gym now. And, uh, today I was just doing a, a rowing workout and she comes up to me. She's like, can I give you some feedback? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So she's like, okay, so your rowing is trash and blah, blah, blah. she didn't say it like that. She was much nicer, but, right. uh, yeah, I can appreciate having to work on your rowing. That's funny. Okay. So nine is exercise. Feel the difference. This is my number one pet peeve is when instructors are like, eat that pizza off or you're about to be Thanksgiving. Like (laughs) I, I lose, I can't, I look at them. I like straight face. I'm like, well, I can't take this seriously anymore. So that's one part. Another part is people really, Another part is that people will complain about working out. If you're complaining all the time about working out, that working out's a chore, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And this is a thought where you're exercising for fun. Like you get to exercise. If you are one of the lucky ones with two arms, two legs, like working lungs, working muscular system, you get to work out and you get to challenge your body and do cool things. If it's a Monday through Friday, wake up because you have to do it. You're not going to enjoy it. And that stress response is also going to hurt you in the long run of not wanting to do it or not getting enough sleep and thinking you have to wake up early. It's about finding joy in movement. And that could look different for everyone. Yeah. That's, and that's like, so if there's one thing that we really try to work on with our clients is not everyone was meant to go to the gym, right? Like I do not like, I want to be careful what I say. Uh, okay. Let's say so yoga Pilates. Okay. Yeah, sure. We'll go Pilates. We'll go Pilates. Uh, it's, it's fun. I understand it, but it wouldn't be my number one thing that I'm doing three, four, five days a week. Right? Like I like lifting weights, so I'm going to go more towards that. Maybe you hate lifting weights, but you prefer to just go for hikes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Like as long as you're moving 
at the end of the day, ideally doing like a little bit of strength training to like keep those muscles built. Um, yeah, like there's not one way of working out for everybody. You got to find what, what makes you happy, what brings joy to your life. Yeah. And I get in more Pilates for me. So don't worry about that. I used to teach Pilates, so it's okay. The Pilates community doesn't like you anymore, but that <laughs> is all right. No. Okay. So we did this thing. Sorry, little tangenty. <laughs> so we had this, this whole like sweaty pursuits bit that we're doing. We're still doing where we'll go and try out different fitness classes. I've in, seen that mm -hmm. in our community. So we did Pilates and I've never done it before. We did it like on the reformer and, uh, yeah, like kicked my butt, kicked my butt completely. So I respect it. I respect the Pilates peoples. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We now like you again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. And then the last one is going to be honor your health, gentle nutrition. So this is my favorite one. This is the part where it's like, okay, we're going to eat healthy because not only will it make you feel good, it is good for you. Like we want to live for longevity. We want to live for health. Like, so we're going to fuel our body for longevity and health. And that will also take the morality away. It's not that the salad is better for you. It's just the salad makes you feel good. And the salad has vitamins and minerals that help you do all the cool movements you want to do and help decrease the cancers and the diseases that we have. Um, so it's more a change in mindset and perspective. And it sounds like y'all do a lot of intuitive eating over there at your gym um, without calling it intuitive eating, which I think it's good that it has a name but because all diets and all mindsets kind of have like a stigma, good yeah. or bad, it's fine to not call it anything and just say, yeah, I listen to my hunger cues. Yeah. I work out to have when I want to have fun. Yeah. I don't think diet mentality is good, but you don't need to call it intuitive eating. So it's, it's, that's like my biggest takeaway is I think I was expecting there to be like, okay, intuitive eating is step one, step two, step three, but like, actually like, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do where hearing you talk about it, it is very similar to kind of what we work our clients through. And I think a big thing, and it kind of touches on step 10, um, is um, like in one of our podcasts, we talked a lot about this whole idea of like a health continuum, where if you think of like a speedometer from zero to 200, if you're at like zero, right? Like you're probably not all that healthy. You might be sick. You might have disease. Um, if you're at 200 constantly, yeah, like you might be an Olympian, but Olympians are not the healthiest individuals, right? Their bodies are broken. They're eating for performance. So there's maybe not a lot of diversity in their food. They're not the ideal humans. But if we think of like this, you know, uh, 40 to 60 miles per hour, because I'm American, I'm trying to help you out here. Uh, you know, that's where like you have the best fuel mileage, you can go all day sort of thing. And that's kind of where we're aiming for individuals to be. We don't need to be the super athletes because that's just, that's not sustainable long-term, but we don't want people to be down here just eating McDonald's every single day, right? Like you want to have a little bit of both. You want to eat the clean foods, but you want to have some fun as well. So I think that's the most important thing of, of, of all. And I feel like that's kind of this whole concept of, in, of intuitive eating. And I'm sure people, there are some people that take it way more strict. Um, but my approach is very, let's just chill. Yeah. Like, let's, let's take a step back. Food is great and it can do a lot, but it can't do as much as people give it credit for. Yeah. Um, if you're on that pendulum of all the way, like only eating super, super healthy food because you're, you're missing the other concept of listening to your body, listening to what your mind mind health, body health, all that stuff. 
Yeah. It's funny. So me and, uh, Anna, who's, uh, like a test away from being a dietitian, but with all the COVID stuff, it just keeps so on exciting. getting pushed back. So poor thing. But, um, she was, uh, she was saying too, like, if you think of a lot of athletes, it's like chicken and rice, chicken and broccoli, but like you're lacking so many of the other micronutrients. They're just so focused on the macronutrients where it's like, no, that's not good for you either, man. You gotta eat a, a diverse, a bunch of foods, colorful, enjoy it. No, totally. And I, I keep saying this to people, but I'm pretty sure it was Tim Grover. He's the one that is the speaker talks Michael, to the Michael athletes Jordan's. about psychology. Yeah. Yes, I think it was yes, Michael yes, Jordan's yes. coach. Yeah. So his whole thing is like, to be great, you have to be good. And what I think is the same thing with nutrition. So if you want to eat like an athlete, fine, but you have to be good first. You have to eat those, fr the produce, yes. fruits, veggies, lean proteins, unsaturated fats, whole grains before you can dial in the like specificity of training for performance. Yeah. So you have to be good before you're great. And even with intuitive eating, you have to practice. So be good at listening to your hunger cues before you can like master yeah. intuitive eating. I know you kind of touched upon this, um, but I feel like, cause you said like people need to kind of be ready to do intuitive eating. I know that's one thing that we struggle with a lot with individuals that will first join on with our gym because, you know, they might want this quick fix where, yeah, just tell me how much of what thing I need to eat so I can lose X amount of weight. And, you know, we need to kind of walk them off that ledge and show them this whole idea of, you know, sustainable eating something you can do for the rest of your life. Like, what do those conversations look like? Like, how do you think we can help individuals come to the realization that, yeah, don't worry about eating 1200 calories. I think it's modeling one. You have to meet people where they are. I am stubborn. Like if someone tells me what to do, no, no, no. And I have to learn my own mistakes. There may be some people out there that can learn from other people's mistakes. And I love that. And I'm jealous of those people, but I have to learn from my mistakes. So I kind of have the empathetic approach of that where I was you too. I dieted for a long time. I didn't believe in intuitive eating, or I didn't believe I could trust my hunger bonus scale either. Um, and having those conversations of what you do or the research you saw about how hunger and bonus scales yeah. actually worked. I think that will help more than telling Sarah to not do 1200 calories. Yeah. Do it. Let me know how you feel afterwards. Yeah. If you don't feel great, let's talk about it. Maybe yeah. we add a hundred calories later. Like that is actually one of the biggest approaches. I say somebody's having 1200 calories. I'm like, you know, research says that that's pretty low. Do you think adding a hundred calories would be fine? Do I think 1300 is a great? No, but I'm meeting them where they are and they're going to have a hundred and then, okay. Did anything happen? Can we add another hundred? Yeah. And, Cause they're already in the mind of counting calories. You're not going to get them out of counting calories. Yeah. So then it's like slow, painful progress on your side. Cause you want to like tell them what to do. And you yeah. know, because you've been in the business for a long time but that's just not people. Yeah, no, it's, and that's it, okay. And that's very much our approach. Like I, you know, there's one client that really comes to mind who, um, you know, one of her goals was to get visible abs. Like that was like a big goal. She's like, I just want to get visible abs. And I'm like, okay, but like, just know what we got to do for you to get visible abs. It's not going to be fun. And she's like, no, I want to get visible abs. I'm like, okay. So we worked together for 18 weeks and she got visible apps. She reached her goal, which was great. Right. And I knew this isn't ideal. This isn't going to be sustainable, but what was cool. And this is where I had this whole realization 
was afterwards, she's like, I never want to do that again. Like that was not enjoyable. I missed out on so many family outings and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I'm ready to just kind of focus on, you know, eating foods that my body wants. Like I still want to eat healthy, but I don't want to have to be in a caloric deficit to have visible abs for the rest of my life. So you're right. I think it's super important to work with people where they're at because unfortunately sometimes it might go where it's like, let's say I didn't agree to do that with that individual. Maybe she would have went down the street and that individual would have went really like way more hardcore and like not let them kind of have that realization and that growth that, you know, they had throughout the program. So I think as long as there's positive intent behind it, it's, uh, it's good. And I'm not saying you can't have, you can't have visible abs with intuitive eating the crate. And I'm not saying you, for sure, you can't for either. Sure. I will say this when I actually did intuitive eating, that was the strongest I've ever been and visibly stronger than I've ever been because now I'm actually working out for fun. And now I'm not doing the restrictive binging that I was doing where Monday through Friday, I'm eating great. Yeah. Uh, Friday, 5, 5 PM Sunday, we are eating everything we can possibly find. We are drinking yeah. everything. And that just causes one bloating two weight gain regardless. And that weight cycling three, my muscles have no time to recover, no time to build. Cause I'm not even adequately fueling during the week when I am working out. Yeah. I do think if people want to get stronger and like working out intuitive eating could be for them if they are liking their workout wanting to get stronger, but in that diet mentality, thinking about intuitive eating or looking into it might actually be beneficial if you're ready to get out of the binge restrict, binge restrict cycle. Oh, for sure. We find when there's a fitness goal, um, that kind of drives the success. It makes it a lot easier because if someone's eating 1200 calories and not to pick on 1200 calories, it's just a, a popular number that someone talks about on TikTok all the time. So all of a sudden everyone Correct. wants to do it, but, um, when someone's eating that few calories and then they're trying to go to the gym and they're like, why am I so lethargic? Why can I not lift as much weight as I did yesterday? It's like, well, this is the reason. Um, it kind of helps them realize, wow, like food is fuel. Uh, we had uh, a bunch of us were training for a marathon last year. Stop. Yeah. And it, what was cool was, you know, there was a, a, a few, uh, a few ladies that were training for it. And they started eating way more food than they've ever eaten before. And some of them were afraid or didn't have the best relationship with food. And it kind of changed during that journey. Like they weren't afraid of carbs. They had more carbs than they've ever had in their lives. And they looked better than they ever have in their lives as uh -huh. well. So it's cool. Like when fitness is kind of the, the center of it, it can make this whole idea of intuitive eating um, a lot easier for individuals. And like you still, like you said, you can still get abs. You can still have the success that you're looking to have. Love it. That's awesome that they did that. I give them all the credit because I don't think I could do them. I don't want to do a marathon. Could I do it? Sure. Do I want to? No. See, so we're, what, what's going to happen then is next year, we're going to, we're going to run a marathon in Florida. We're going to pick you up in Orlando and we'll go wherever we're going to go. Okay. Well, if you come to Florida, we can do that. And then me and your wife are going to go get wreaths afterwards. <laughs> no, no more wreaths. <laughs> you guys have a Michaels. Is that a thing? Or is that a Canadian thing? Oh, I live across the street from a Hobby Lobby. Oh God. Sounds, Do you know what a Hobby Lobby is? No, but it sounds horrible. Your wife should look it up. She would love it. Oh, wreaths. There's a, there's a running joke. My wife has 14 wreaths for every single holiday that exists. So yeah. I love it. It's, it's worst, my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing you post on Instagram. Oh God. Well, there's, we have a holiday coming up in Canada soon, so I'm sure you'll see a wreath post in Amped. your near future. 
Um, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Anything that you feel like I've missed? I don't think so. I, I do challenge people to look into intuitive eating, even if they are skeptical, skeptical words are really hard right now. <laughs> even if they're skeptical. Okay. Just forget it. Yeah, even yeah, if you're yeah. curious and you don't believe it's going to work, I highly recommend you look into it. I didn't believe in it for a long time. And now that I do, there is way less stress and anxiety around food and it's a lot more freeing. So if you feel that you're not free or stressed around food, check it out. Yeah. And go into it with the mentality that this is a long-term solution. This isn't a short-term fix. That's a really, really important piece as well. Yes, cool. exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Nicole, honestly, I appreciate it. I know you have a, a, a busy schedule. I appreciate you taking the time to, to come and chat with us. I know all of our members are really going to appreciate it as well. No, I'm so excited you invited me. Anytime you want me to come back on, I will. We can chat about something else. If you ever have any topics that you want to chat about, please don't, don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out and ask. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. All right, bye.